Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Here are your hosts. Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gotham Collective Podcast. Yes, it's another week of Doctor Who. The gang's all here. Um, we're just going to have uh, Dave uh, go take everyone's ticket. <laughs> well, Dave, how are you doing? Well, it's time to reveal myself. I'm the secret podcast checker, and uh, I don't like the look of this place around here. The drinks cabinet is hardly full, and uh, there's too many deaths. <laughs> Hi, Irene. Well, you're the only one to blame for the drinks cabinet, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see who might have. <laughs> let's see who else might have been polishing off the drinks cabinet. Uh, joining us on audio, Mr. Dar Skeptical. Hello, sir. Hello, good sir. How are you? Good, good, good. I'm glad to have you on board. <laughs> on board. <laughs> I got what you did there. It wasn't funny, but I got what you did there. <laughs> see, jokes. Not good jokes. Just jokes. <laughs> if you can classify them as jokes, we're working on that. All right. Also joining us on audio is Mr. Randall Thor. Hello, Mike. Hello, Ian. I think I'm on track to make a horrible pun at some point. Yeah, this is the guy that goes along. He's a, he's, is it wheel tappers and shunters? He's the one that goes and taps the wheel. He's our third wheel. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> if we keep up this, we're not going to have anything left for the commentary. You realize that. Oh, right, yeah. Ooh. All right, and uh, we did have Rick Wall on audio a moment ago, but uh, he has since uh, disconnected. So, oh. um, and nothing left now to, to see who's under the cone. Well, hang on, Lowering hang on. We've been oh, going to... New agent training broke. What? He's disappeared. We've gone 66 seconds. Uh-oh. 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 I think he may we be could dead. lose one. Oh, <laughs> All right, lowering the code, lowering the code anyway. <laughs> Maybe it'll keep the uh, keep the mummy trapped. Oh, oh, here he comes. Here he comes. He's alive. He's alive and well, and here he is now. False alarm. If this thing would ever unmute somebody. There he is. Rick, are you there? Yeah, sorry about that. I dropped the phone and hung up on you. Ah, we thought it was the mummy that got you. <laughs> It was about 66 seconds into the show. <laughs> but glad to have you back on board, sir. Glad to be back. Good, good, good. All right. Time to lower the cone. Controls. New agent training program. Section 3.5. The cone of silence. To activate, 
silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? What? All right, joining us under the cone. Davros1179 is here. Logan is here. Mad Hell is here. Symbios is here. And Tom Baker's old scarf. Unfortunately, no sign of Cybob. Um, Another 66 seconds. I know. It's, it's, it's a worry. It's a worry. All right. Well, there's only one more person to introduce. Hopefully, the, uh, the mummy hasn't got to him yet. It's the typing monkey. It's news time. Run, Tidy Monkey, run. <laughs> <laughs> You've only got 66 seconds. Um, all right, first up with news, it's Mr. Randall Thor. I think I should be able to cover this news in 66 seconds. Let's see. But uh, last weekend, David Lynch and Mark Frost had a... They posted the same thing on Twitter. They mentioned... I see what you're doing <laughs> They posted a reference to... Twin Peaks mentioning that that gum you like is going to come back into style. Hashtag damn good coffee. And this past Monday, they confirmed uh, Showtime, rather confirmed on YouTube with a short video, which I'm linking in chat here, confirming in 2016, 25 years after the show ended originally on ABC, a a, a nine episode third season of Twin Peaks. Uh, will be all episodes will be written by David Lynch and Mark Frost. All episodes directed by David Lynch, and it will air on Showtime in 2016. The only other confirmation, the only other confirmation that we have is that it's set in modern times. No, no news on cast, but Twin Peaks returning 25 years later. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Up next. For news, I mean, not the countdown. Um, the news <laughs> is uh, our very own Dave AC, who looks like he could be up for the countdown. Oh dear, yeah. Um, just a couple of uh, bits of statistics here. Just say that um, the Kill the Moon final ratings are now in. This is according to Doctor Who News dot net. million uh, watched the UK transmission according to the consolidated figures that came available today. Uh, the chart position, final chart position, should be uh, available next week. And the overnight viewing figures, uh, Mummy on the Orient Express, although they've been going down one one per minute ever since they were counted, was um, <laughs> 5.08 million, now down to uh, 4.96 million, I think. But there you go. Uh, yeah, 5.08 million watched Doctor Who. Uh, Mummy on the Orient Express, twenty-two point one percent share of the live audience. <laughs> live, live audience. audience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. All right, and that wraps it up for news. Um, yeah, there's only one thing left to, to tell you, and before time runs out, that is, and that's how you can be part of the Colton Collective as well. And uh, to do it, here's Tiggs. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. 
or you can connect him directly via the shoe phone find if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. And there we are. Yeah, I'm not so, sure the Mike's playing the dead movie, or not. You? Hey? What? 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 I think Mike's playing dead. He's <laughs> taking it too seriously. Hopefully he's, he's taking playing. it to heart. <laughs> Hopefully he's uh, only playing. <laughs> oh, dear. And Tom Baker's old scarf. I like your train of thought, Ian. <laughs> evening, old. <laughs> evening, Tom Baker's old scarf. All right. Um... Why don't you get us in the move, Dave? Why don't you um, play the tune? I will. Just let me also, before I do that, just mention that we've got apologies from a Jeff who, who will, will, probably won't be able to join us today and Ken who's got uh, connection issues. So uh, they apologise for not being here. But here we go with the first clip. Your train awaits, my lady. Wonderful. The back is gone. But thanks for lying. The real wonderful through here. There were many trains to take the name Orient Express, but only one. In space. <laughs> of course it is. A completely faithful recreation of the original Orient Express, except slightly bigger and in space. Oh, and the rails are actually hyperspace ribbons, but in every other respect, identical. Painstaking attention to detail. Most of the time. And I decided to go with that clip rather than the actual opening teaser because we'll get uh, more of the frightening bits as we move along. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Rick Wall uh, first, and then if Mike doesn't join us, uh, we'll rejoin us. We'll be going to Darth after a second clip. So, Rick, off you go. All right. Uh, I don't know how many other anime fans there are out there, but this totally reminded me of uh, um, the first Captain Harlock, or one of the early Captain Harlock uh, stories. Um, Space Express 999, I believe was the title, uh, from the opening monologue on. Uh, it really didn't feel like a, uh, uh, again, didn't really feel much like a Doctor Who. It felt more like, as I said, a Captain Harlock. And I think uh, the Doctor um, uh, out Harlocked Harlock. <laughs> um, but uh, it was all right. Um, um, you know, like I said, it, it seemed to me more a live-action 
um, um, Captain Harlock episode than uh, um, um, Doctor Who. Uh, but then again, uh, a lot of people uh, in the last oh, 15, 20 years have been stealing, borrowing, whatever you want to call it, from anime anyway. So, uh, for Disney now, BBC, but I will. So it didn't. Uh, it didn't. Uh, didn't stir you at all this episode, then. You, you, you thought it was a letdown. Uh, no, I I liked it, but I didn't think it was a Doctor Who episode. It felt more like I was watching, as I said, a live action um, um, British version of Captain Harlock than Doctor Who. Okay. Um. Um. You know, and, uh, but I, I thought it was very well done. Uh, I would have, uh, liked a human protagonist, um, you know, Gus turning out to be a computer was somewhat of a letdown. But, um,. I liked it. I, there were bits and pieces of it that I enjoyed immensely. There were, uh, again, like I said, though, there were pieces where I'm saying, wait a minute, this is a Captain Harlock episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not sure Goss was the actual final villain, because I'm sure the Doctor said uh, uh, towards the end that uh, he never found out who was behind it, because Gus blew the train up. Um, so, right. So we don't really know who or what. Let's hope it wasn't Missy, or maybe some people hope it was Missy. But um, I think he said that right towards the end that um, he never found out who was behind it all. And I'm a little confused on where they ended up because it kind of the way they shot it. And the way it looked, it kind of looked like the, um, uh, what, what do they call it? The negative, not the negative zone. Um, paradise. East space? Oh, paradise. Paradise, yeah. No, 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 I think he said the nearest habitable planet. Oh, okay. But other than that, uh, I, you know, other than my... A uh, few um, 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 things I liked it. Um, like I said, I I thought um, uh, uh, Capaldi did a better Captain Harlock than a Doctor um, um, impersonation, but I I liked it. Okay, I'd, right. I'd give it about a three groan, uh, three tardis groans, as as Ken would say. Okay, well, uh, thank you for that. Uh, Rick, I know you, you you don't have that long to stay with us, but hopefully you'll listen in for a little bit longer. Um, I, I've got another um, clip to play now, and um, uh, during the course of the show, in uh, there's a few comments on the Club Infected Facebook page that I'll read, but um, hopefully we can go to Darth after this clip. You see, I happen to be Emil Moorhaus, Professor of Alien Mythology. I'm the Doctor. Pleased to meet you. So, the most interesting thing about the foretold. Go. Uh, well, it would have to be the time limit, given before it kills you. 
I can't think of another myth where it's so specific. How does it go? Um, the number of evil twice over. They that bear the foretold stare have 66 seconds to live. No, no, no. Nice try. Very atmospheric. But that's not it. Try again. You're a cynical man, that's it, but you're trying to pump me for information. <laughs> the myth of the foretold first appeared over 5,000 years ago. In some stories, there is a riddle or secret word that is supposed to make it stop. Some characters try to bargain with it, offer riches, confess sins, all to no avail. Well, you said in a little mythology. I know not, because from time to time, it turns out to be true. What's that for? But that's the great appeal, isn't it? Earth legends such dry, dusty affairs are always fiction. But up here, in the stars, anything's possible. That's why I chose this field, to be honest. Hoping one day I might meet a real monster. Isn't that everyone's dream? But you still haven't answered my riddle. What's the most interesting thing about the foretold? Well, you can't run from it, that's for sure. There are accounts of people trying, but it never works. No matter how far you run, it's always right there behind you. And there we go. Um... I didn't think we'd go into you so soon, Darth, but if you're ready to go, that'd be great. Ah, what if I wasn't ready to go? What would you do then? I would start <laughs> my bit. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Tell a joke. This is... Would he <laughs> now? I mean, it has to be something that's actually within his range of capability. Uh, I'm not sure if there's enough wine that's past his lips to make that possible. Anyway, um, yeah, this was uh, this was fascinating in a way. Uh, on the one scale, if you're saying, you know, this possibility of this particular story has been dangling out there in the wind since the end of season five, um, I, I would have to say it is not the story that I thought you know, murder on the Orient Express in space would be. Uh, I I was kind of thinking that it might be more, you know, like Unicorn and the Wasp, which I suppose people don't want to hear about. Uh, some people at least don't really like that story, but I really enjoy that, and so I would have wouldn't have minded another Agatha Christie pastiche. Uh, I kind of take on board um, the points that Rick just made about the. Um, similarity to certain anime that's probably true um doesn't really stop me from enjoying it though once i lay aside that it's not what i expected the story was actually not only that but uh, honestly i you know that was on another doctor's watch and i kind of expected to see that story with matt smith seeing it with peter capaldi makes the connections seem a little forced to me. Uh, I, I know it shouldn't. I should be able to, you know, accept that the person's life moves back and forth um, across regenerations. But the thing about it is, it doesn't actually make any logical sense, really. Because Matt Smith did not know that, he thought he was the last regeneration. So why would he put that thing off why would he put anything off that was the I, the overwhelming thing i thought about master doctor was he he didn't put anything off he always tried to you know live life to the fullest and even if that was annoying to me at sometimes because of how ridiculously comic he was um it it still was a part of his character that i 
did enjoy was that he would just go off and do things, right? Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He couldn't. He was on Christmas for 600 years. Couldn't leave it. He was on the but stage. That was the, yeah, but that was at the end of season five that this thing came up. You know, this was just right after Amy and Rory get married. They had plenty of time. And the, the implication is that's where they went, right? So I, I, I'm not exactly sure why or how the 11th Doctor would have encountered this train and said, that's okay. Don't need to go and investigate. It's fine. I'll leave it for somebody else. Cause he, who was he going to leave it for? Um, kind of illogical, but throwing that connection to me, that's a continuity fail. As far as I can see, I don't see any way around that, but leaving that aside, if you just, you know, divorce yourself from the Matt Smith era entirely and say, okay, here, the adventure is, as it was stated, more or less, this is the last adventure of PCAP and Jazza, <laughs> then then fine. Uh, it works really well. I kind of understand it. It's got sort of an awakening vibe about it in the sense that, you know, you at first think that it's a period drama, but then it turns out to be something not a period drama. They're just dressing up like it's period and I guess I can kind of go with that. I, I I still overall have to say, though, the thing I would have liked for Peter Capaldi and Jenna uh, Coleman is that it had been an actual period piece. Like, yeah, I think it would have been more interesting and better if it had really been on the Orient Express. And this is a sort of thing that is like, you know... Um, one of the little problems, the niggles of Voyage of the Damned, is that it was advertised as, you know, we're going on board the Titanic. And then it turns out to be the Titanic in space. And it's like, well, that's not as fun to me. I mean, really. If you think about it, if this had been on the real deal, the cinematography they could have done, the the drama that they could have done with a, a mummy that was coming through. Oh my God, it would have been totally, really, really scary. Um, but I think for this thing, once you, in, in a similar way to um, the Curse of the Black Spot, as soon as you sort of realize you're not actually there in the period anymore, but instead there's this ship um that is, you know, in space, and it's got hologram. It was all holographic and all that stuff. I mean, in that sense, it really it smacked of Star Trek more than I think any kind of anime thing. I mean, the moment that the holograms came down, you're like, oh, here we go. Well, we're back on Voyager, um, you know, and that it, it was a bit of a damper in terms of its the power of the the central story. Now, things that were good about it though were was the nature of what was going on between Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman, right? That that the tension from last week, how are they resolving it? This is their last trip. They're having a very civilized final date, more or less. Um, and I, I found that to be remarkably mature. I found that to be really interesting in the history of Doctor Who because you don't normally get that, um, this this sense of, Okay, this relationship is coming to an end, but we're going to do one more just to sort of go out on a bang, right? Um, and I liked that. I thought that was a really nice. It was completely unexpected from where we were last week. Last week, I just thought, you know, they're done. And 
I really didn't even expect to see Clara in this one at all. And then the way that we saw her was, you know, allowed for a lot of character development in a way that I wouldn't have even considered and a way that was delightful as the thing went through. And, you know, I, I was reminded quite a bit of one of the most effective scenes in Daleks in Manhattan, a much maligned story that I've always championed as being better than what people think. But it, the, the the interchange between Clara and, I've forgotten the actor's name, the whatever, the the, da- the granddaughter of uh, the woman who was on, um, uh, what you call it? The gen- oh, wow, what, as time goes by. What was... Um, yeah. Okay. There you go. There you go. I'm really delighted to see. I forget her, that actor's name, but the the old woman, you know, as a as an as time goes by fan, I was just like, oh my god, look who it is! Another, you know, stalwart of British comedy is on Doctor Who, uh, which is a characteristic of this season, I think. And she was on Doctor Who before too. Yes, she was. Oh uh, well. We, well. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Doctor Who. Right. <laughs> She was on this little show that they were doing at the end of the 80s. That board no resemblance to Doctor Who at all. Anyway, yes. Um, yeah. That was not, again, for the second week in a row, right, that we have somebody who was um, associated with or was on classic Doctor Who as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's actually two in this episode, oh, but that's, that's the fun point. Yeah, well, that's true. There are, yeah, absolutely. But. Um, for me, it was just like, oh, there's this you know actor who uh, I quite enjoy on um, as time goes by, and it was nice to see that again. But ah oh, man, I, I totally the forgot. Oh, yeah, the weather Somebody, please, quickly, IMDb. Anyway, this is sales. Uh, Ms. Vale, yes, of course. Um, wow, where the hell was I going before we entered that world of pain? Um, Sorry. The, <laughs> I forgot. I was... Uh, yes. This, uh, um, so, that that person's granddaughter, what, what, Maisie, right? So, that lovely interchange between Clara and Maisie when they're locked up and they're trying to figure out, you know, how do you know uh, how to deal with a difficult person? Right, just great, just fabulous, fabulous stuff, right? Uh, and you can see Clara. Well, maybe I don't really want to leave the doctor because really, you know, he's actually okay. Um, and you see her, you know, really mulling that idea over in a in a in a way that is distinct from how she can interact with Danny over because Danny just Danny's kind of jealous probably of the doctor, and Danny Danny's not a reliable person when it comes to giving advice on what to do with the doctor because he just wants her to go away from the doctor right so even though he's a nice guy he's not giving her the advice uh, a well-rounded set of advice and what was great about this disinterested party of Maisie is that you just had this sense of Clara and again this is really Jenna Coleman's sort of brilliant acting you have this sense of her coming to grips with do I stay with the doctor or not? Is you know, is the the fact that he is so disagreeable is that enough? And again, you know, that, that what's great is you start with that, and then you get to the point at the end where the doctor appears to be tricking Maisie into giving her life just so that we can get some scientific information out of her. And I I love how at the end of the story, 
it is still not clear. Really. I mean, it sort of is. But it's still not entirely clear. Well, I mean, Jenna wants to, or uh, Clara wants to believe that, you know, he had this elaborate hoax that was he was planning that he never really intended to jeopardize Maisie uh, and that it, it was all just, you know, a fake. And it really wasn't, probably. But it was it was the kind of fake where the doctor hoped he didn't have to go to, you know, actually having her killed and that he could do something, but he didn't know it. And then, uh, you know, finding out that this doctor is prepared to do that, even though that's probably true of other doctors, was kind of great, actually. I mean, it gives us a point of distinction about this doctor that helps to explain things like earlier in the season, in episode two, where he just blatantly, you know, kind of kills somebody, um, gives them a little hope, and then they die. It's great to see, um, you know, that he's a realist, but at the same time, he is a bit of an optimist. That he ha- It is not his, his go-to position. Good Lord, there's a the phone. Um, but rather it is a, um, you know, he wants to save people if he possibly can, but if he can't, then he is perfectly prepared to more or less kill them, put them in jeopardy. And that is the central argument, you know, that we were having last week. And it's great to see that still be the argument that we're having this week, but for it to be nuanced. And to, for layers to be added to that it was just fabulous. I mean, really good character-building stuff that I think has not been particularly indicative of the, the Moffat era, especially with Amy and Rory. Um, but this this great, you know, continual progression on these characters is is just a joy to behold. And it kind of makes you forgive some of the shortcomings that might be in the story. I'm not saying there are a great many, but... You know, as sort of Rick said, you know, you can make analogies to other things quite easily with this story. Uh, you can quite easily, as his anime reference is good. But again, I think it, it is disappointingly Star Trekian, if you will. Um, but that's not really what the story is about. The story is the backdrop for the single point of putting Maisie in jeopardy and, and the moment at which. Um, Clara finds herself complicit in the doctor's scheme rather than his companion, his accomplice. That was an interesting, interesting choice of words um, that I'm not sure we've had in Doctor Who before. Not not televised. I think it, it probably has been something that was in the uh, you know 90s books having to do with you know the grown-up Ace and Bernice and Seventh Doctor. I'm, I'm sure that sort of exchange happened back in that time, but in in televised sense. You know, there's not never been really a companion who just saw, you know, this this guy's using me. This guy's using me to sort of make a person walk to their death. And I just really don't like that any more than I'd like being on the moon three weeks ago and having to do all that stuff up there with him either. You know, I, I'm, you know, to see a companion questioning the danger is quite beautiful and it's it's a lot you know it's a lot better than we got in 1984 when Tegan suddenly and quite inexplicably to my mind just all of a sudden says eh, I see too much killing today I'm going to leave you know this instead is much more considered and it's not as easy and then it's the great thing about the story oh my god and I hope that this is actually 
this writer and not Stephen Moffat coming in and doing something clever. But that whole exchange about addiction at the end, oh my Lord, was that beautiful. Because, you know, she starts talking about addiction and whether the doctor is addicted to this particular kind of lifestyle, addicted to making the hard choice between two impossible things. Um, and then what it turns out to be is that she's the one addicted and she's not going to give it up and she's going to lie to her boyfriend right when she says that she loves him. And to the doctor. Well, quite. But more importantly, I think to her boyfriend because boy, yeah. the boyfriend is reality. And it's just this wonderful screw tightening and you can just see it and you're like oh this is not going to be good and 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 the thing is you know i kind of thought it was just over for claire we're gonna you know dance away for a little while but it was very surprising in that way so it's a great story in the sense that while i think the backdrop the plot the mummy the the orient express all that stuff is quite ordinary science fiction that's been done before what's extraordinary about it is the continued story of Clara and the doctor and how incredibly adult, unusual, non-romantic, but filled with love, the whole thing. It's so extraordinary. It is really, you know, Moffat cooking with gas. Uh, and, and indeed, I hope, uh, you know, using the talents of this particular um, author. And I think I think so, you know, because Moffat didn't take a credit on it or whatever. Uh, and so I'm really hoping that this this author really did imbue it with all this other stuff, because um, it, it just would it would be cool if you know it wasn't just all Moffat. But you know the other things that were kind of cool, uh, well the notable the inclusion of foxes. You know this this up and coming singer from England. Man, is that cynical? I love it. I love it because it's so cynical. Because it has nothing, you know, I know that it was advertised. It was hard to see. That was one of the things that was very difficult for me to stay away from because she is in the popular British press and not just in, you know, sort of Doctor Who press. And so it was a big deal that you could find in common places if you, you know, just going on the BBC, you know, they announce it back, you know, we're going to have foxes, we're going to have foxes. And she's in it for like two seconds, right? And doesn't even have a spoken line, unless you want to count a song as a spoken line. Um, and and yet, that it, it, what, what it turns out to be is a very clever ploy to do a lot of social media campaigning, which I just am eating up with a spoon. I think it's very smart on the part of the BBC. In a sense, kudos to them, even though it's very cynical. Um, but I... Um, I am liking that. It's just it's just amusing to me that it turned out to be, you know, in terms of the episode, nothing, but in terms of Doctor Who's overall social media strategy, quite, quite clever. Uh, I think you can now go and find, you know, essentially a music video of this thing, of the full song, um, so that her impact is made greater, but you have to go and find it, right? You have to get it in your Twitter feed or whatever, or if you go to, if you're subscribed to the Doctor Who channel on YouTube, you'll get it. You know, and it's it's very deft. I kind of like it. I kind of like that. Um, it certainly didn't hurt the story at all. It certainly was like well, that makes sense. You know, it's a fine 
she's dressed up like everybody else there. So it made sense. So why not include that and then do some strategy behind it? I think it's much more effective than, say, Tardisos were. And I wish that I hope that they start doing this sort of thing more, where they just interdict somebody who's famous, but maybe not an actor, um, and then you know build a, a social media campaign around that event. Seems to me to be a, a very smart way to go, and to bring in people who are maybe drifting away from Doctor Who because they're getting you know sort of teenage years, or just people who might not have experienced Doctor Who yet, but who are pop culture kind of people, you know. It's very, very smart. Um, what do you think about then, uh, Frank Skinner being involved? Because, I mean, we've had a few throwaway comedians recently, haven't we, with the, uh, the, the Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe, where we had um, uh, oh, the, the, the comedian yeah, in... No, 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 it wasn't any other one that was thrown away. Yes. The, uh, the engineer. No, no, no. In, the, yeah, I know he was the engineer, but yep. he seemed to be actually having a proper part. Where we've had parts where comics come on. Uh, there was the one on the you know the for, the singing forest in the thing where where three of them came to oh, kill Bill all Bailey. the trees. Bill Bailey and he he seemed underused. We've had a, a few where the the comic has come in, uh, been advertised and then underused. Where uh, where Skinner had quite a a main part. And it's almost at the beginning. It looks as though he might have, you know, he might have something to hide at the beginning when they first mm-hmm. he first meets the doctor, doesn't he? Anyway. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, he was fine. Uh, I'm not a particular fan or non-fan of Frank. Frank Sander is very neutral sort of figure for me. Who doesn't? You know, his his big deal is really, at least right now, is not acting. Really, it's mostly, you know, he is a personality. I think on the radio and stuff. Uh, but Real I mean, he has an acting. TV, yeah. I mean, he does have an acting career. I don't want to belittle that, but I think just at the moment he is mostly, you know, a personality, and that's fine. And you know, more power to him for proving that that he is actually an actor, that he does have the ability to pull some stuff off. Um, but it, you know, I didn't really look at that and think. Wow, great! Frank Skinner is here. I, I just more looked at it and said, "Oh, that's Frank Skinner. All right, well, let's see what he can do." Uh, to be honest with you, I think that, that if that is analogous to anything, and I don't know why we're talking about the Seventh Doctor's era so much, I thought it was sort of a Ken Dodd thing, where uh, you know, uh, and, right. where, where Ken Dodd was brought on and hyped, but then put into a role that required him to do something outside of his normal shtick, and pulled it off very well. You know, and I, I, I'm not. I don't want to compare Kent Todd to Frank Skinner. I mean, that's not that's not fair to either party, really. But nevertheless, it felt like that same sort of thing where you took a, or or you know what else it felt like? It felt like um, this is probably a better thing. Is um, oh, uh, who played Nazarene Childhurry in um, Hungry Earth? She's actually a comedian. Oh yes, mainly. Uh, uh, it's not a personality, but she is na- mainly in um, comedy things. And I thought she just killed that part, just absolutely was perfect in it. Um, and a nice mixture of drama and, and serious stuff, and it was it was great. I think I think Doctor Who gives is Mia a great Fowl. show. 
Yeah, Mia Right, right. She, she, she was nor in. Um, ah, it's, it's lost me. But the she was in Jekyll as well. She was Jekyll as well. But she was in the what? Are, what is the most famous Indian comedy in Britain? What the hell's the name of it? I forget. The Kumars, anyway, the Kumars at forty. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. How good disgraces me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think Doctor Who gives an opportunity to comic actors in Britain to do things that they would not normally be able to do. And it always has. And there are times where, you know, we don't get enough of it, like with Bill Bill Bailey. But still, that was a part that was a little bit different than what he normally would do. Um, and so, you know, by and large, even though there are, there are times where you're disappointed by a comic actor not having enough screen time, like I, I personally was very distraught over the David Mitchell appearance, non-appearance. Uh, I would love to see him actually in the show, you know, where you can see his face and you can get the whole deal. Um, and, you know, Alexander Armstrong, for all his good work on... Um, Sarah Jane Adventures, you know, was barely in, even though he was the object of the widow in the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. You know, he of the two actors, him and Claire Skinner, I would much rather have seen him than Claire mm-hmm. Skinner. Um, but you know, these are the. It's an interesting feature about this story that there are indeed a number of people who are primarily associated with British comedy or light entertainment, and they all come through it well. I don't think the acting here can really be faulted. A couple of the extras, though, I kind of worried about. Like, there was that one extra who looked like Einstein, and I thought his reactions were uh, a little over the top, kind of reminded me of um, uh, Smith & Jones, where there's that one actor who is just completely ridiculous. Uh, I don't know if you remember... um, Smith and Jones. One of my favorite parts of Smith and Jones is see tracking that one actor who is just going absolutely crazy in every shot that he's in, way over the top, gnashing, wailing of teeth, you know, the whole thing, um, just because he's been transported to the moon. And you know, some part some if you really look really carefully at the extras that are in this particular episode I, especially the guy who looks like Einstein. I think you'll think, oh, that's a little over the top there, extra dude. Um, but I must admit, I kept noticing him too. Yeah, exactly. And it's just sort of like, why are your eyes bugging out of your head? Why You're a scientist. Get a grip. You know? And it's amusing to me that all those scientists that they have on there are not the ones that solve the problem. I mean, it's Frank Skinner's character who solves the problem. Why? Because he is actually listening to the doctor he's actually processing the information he's calm he's collected he's process you know he's putting together two and two and he's getting four and the rest of them are just like i hope it's not me that's next you know or whatever they're thinking i don't know what they're thinking they're thinking that they don't have a line and aren't getting paid so they can't say anything mm-hmm. so they got to do something with their face but it's just i don't know <laughs> those those actors those extras were a little bit suspect this week but only a little bit not not Smith and Jones level suspect, just sort of like, oh, hmm, <sighs> somebody didn't coach you quite right. Um, but, you know, overall, man, I, I thought this was once again just another really strong episode um, in the sense of delivering on, you know, the 
on Clara, you know? Clara has been just fantastic in her whole story, regardless of how you like the particular episode, you got to be focused on her and him, you know? And I think, you know, another thing that this thing shows, (laughs) and I don't know if this was deliberate. I don't think it is. I think this was because Peter Capaldi filmed this thing in order, more or less. Um, And the season, I mean. And so, you know, his first story was Deep Breath. Now, he's just coming off of, I think, filming The Musketeers. And so his hair is really short, right? But now you get into the sort of back half of the season, and his hair is doing that sort of Pertwee Buffon kind of deal, right? And it's so much better. And there's something about his character to me that's a lot better now than it was then. I mean, this was, you know, each week, I think, Hello? Did we just lose Darth? Because I'm not hearing him. Ian? I'm not hearing him either. I thought it was just me. No, he's... Okay. His well, 66 seconds are up. <laughs> um, uh, he's in uh, chat, so he can presumably hear us. Can you just type something in while I uh, just mention... Um, Ian, can you just mention that? Um one of the things that when I give Ian a very short one or two word review after I've seen the episode and uh, my review was a little bit long again this week. My review was the 12th Doctor has arrived, which I think that is what uh, uh, Darth was getting to. Let's play a clip and we'll see if Darth gets himself back in the room and um, and then we'll we'll move on from there. Computer, can you open the door, please? Call me, Garth. I'm afraid this door can only be opened by executive order. Mm. Now the stupid sonic screwdriver's not working. What, what do you mean it's not working? Why? I don't know, some sort of a suppression field, I would guess. And it has to be a guess because it's the same as stupid sonic screwdriver's not working. What are you even doing in there? Well, I was looking for you, Mr. Nothing to worry about. What? Was I supposed to waken you up? Drag you out of bed? Because I had a hunch. I thought you didn't want to do this anymore. Look, look, please, can we just not do this now? I think we might not be alone in here. Is it in there? I think we might just be about to find out. Since that's when it is working. Just not on the door. They're in trouble, too. I spoke to head office. That isn't a mystery shopper. You're not even on the passenger list. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to go to um, um, Ken, because Ken usually on the phone. Ken, are you on the phone? Yes, I am. Did you, did you lose Darth's audio as well? Yes, because, I did. Uh, yeah. Uh, somebody put in that they were still hearing him. Okay. How are you for time? I mean, I was going to go next, but if you'd like to no, go, go ahead. next... We go, can ahead. Do... go ahead. Go Okay. Um... Let's hope that uh, the the message is getting through. Well, 
I, I really loved this. I thought it was an excellent episode. As I say, I sent the message to Ian, uh, the 12th Doctor of Iraq. I was uh, worried. I was going to save something for the, the commentary, but I think I'm going to save it here because uh, Darth has alluded to what this episode may have been, uh, which was uh, a voyage of the damned. And my uh, my reply to that is, this was no voyage of the damned. This was voyage of the damn good doctor. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, a lavish set. The uh, the period pieces, the costumes, all look brilliant. Uh, the train I was a little bit iffy with. That looked a little bit bendy to me. And it was it wasn't bending where the carriages were. Uh, it was a very fluid looking train as it went through space. But since it was a futuristic train in space, I suppose we could allow that to go. Um, I thought it, it was a very typical story. Uh, we are, it seems, revisiting past stories in a way. We got a lot of references to past Doctors. You heard in that clip the reference to Bubble Wrap, uh, which is going back to, I suppose, the second Doctor. I thought when the, the Doctor arrived on the train, um, he had, like, the first what Doctor's floppy bow tie. Um, looked uh, very western uh, there with that floppy bow tie. I thought that was great. Clara looked absolutely marvellous. I was trying to decide whether she was wearing a wig or not. For, for most of it, it looked as though she was wearing a wig, but then the scene on the beach in, in Ordinary Light, it, it looked like it might have been her own haircut. But again, she was fab, uh, fabulous in it. Uh, we've had a long, slow burn. There's no doubt about it. I know Mike has been a little despondent that he doesn't feel as though Capaldi has arrived. Well, although unfortunately he's dropped off audio, I would say certainly in this episode, The Doctor arrived. It was a nice feel. and it, I mean, I must admit, I, I, I was worried, as I say, that it was going to be another Voyage of the Damned. Uh, I hadn't thought about Unicorn and the Wasp, but when you think about it, you know, it could have been a period drama. Um, maybe it was because it was spoiled that it was in space much earlier on than the um, the the Titanic one was. Um, the other, uh, when I mentioned about um, um, the actor, the comedian, Frank Skinner, it wasn't because I was necessarily praising his acting. I thought he was adequate, but the point is that I know that Darth in the past has made the point that... Um, you know, people have been, you know, stunt, uh, uh, given the job and, and then being underused. Uh, and after talking about this Fox's character, which completely passed my by, I didn't, I had no idea who she was at all, but uh, very proficient she was. And Ian may talk about that when he, he has his turn a little more. Um, the the actor that I immediately spotted was the, uh, the chap who was playing uh, Captain Quell, and that was uh, David Bamber. Uh, who I very uh, fondly remember from uh, being in the uh, the BBC Jane <clears throat> Austen's Pride and Prejudice uh, from about uh, ooh, it must have been nearly twenty years ago now uh, the, the the most famous uh, historical adaptation I think the BBC have done for a long long time where he played the Kirk clergyman's cousin uh, Mr Collins uh, and absolutely marvellous in that he was too and I thought he did a, a really good program here we had this turning of the screw yet again with with clara thinking that you know the doctor is going to miss her we're having this <clears throat> very grown up as dal said grown up way of having a final uh, episode together uh, giving her a little treat a little trip around the universe 
then she finds that he had um, this. Um, <clears throat> he knew that there was going to be danger on board. In fact, he says he was hoping for it. And we also have this, what seems to be the betrayal, yet again, of a, a throwaway, a disposable person. Uh, while the doctor uh, just enjoyed the excitement of it with disregard. He, even the um, the engineer says, you know, can we have a moment? Somebody's just died here. And the doctor then says, well, we haven't got time to mourn. And you're still sort of you're a bit ambivalent about whether the doctor is as callous as he appears to be or arrogant as he appears to be uh, or not. And then we get the lovely scene where, although um, Clara does bring the girl along much against her own will uh, to be the uh, the person in the main room. Um, the doctor analyzes her uh, and takes those emotions off her and then substitutes himself to 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 in fact save her life. Whether that was a byproduct of what the doctor wanted to do, uh, in other words, he wanted to have contact with this mummy, or whether he was doing it as a the right thing to do as well then I suppose it depends on how you see uh, the interpretations of what this doctor did and how you see that final scene that played out on the beach. But I thought it was excellent. I thought the uh, the mummy was really good, uh, well-realised, uh, pretty scary indeed. Uh, and now this did go out the latest episode, I think, that uh, Doctor Who has ever gone out, something like 8.35. Now, whether that's a byproduct of... Um, uh, Strictly Come Dancing being still at the early stages where they've got about 13, 14 dancers, so it's running over two hours long. Uh, that probably is it, but um, it certainly was a, a, a scary episode, although we don't seem to have those fear factor ratings that we used to. I'm fairly confident this is going to get a very high uh, AI rating. I would think this is going to get an AI rating of 85, 86. I would certainly put it up there. Um, there were some issues I had with sound in terms of um, the dynamics of the sound seemed to be a great range. But again, uh, that's just listening to it in stereo. There were some little scenes with the Doctor and Clara on their own where the, the volume seemed a little bit low. Um, but um, all in all, I thoroughly enjoyed the episode. I thought it were, oh, what else? Yes, we got Jelly Babies. Uh, we got uh, a few references to... Uh, uh, other periods of the Doctor. But I think I'm going to stop at that point because um, I I will be cutting in, if I've got time, Ian, um, mm -hmm. before I have to go, to read some of the comments that have been going on on the Cutland Collective page. But um, if it's okay Speaking with you, I'll play. Go on. Speaking of comments, I just want to um, pick up some stuff that's been said in the text chat here. Please do. Um, and you had just mentioned the, the uh, Jelly Babies in the cigar case or cigarette case. Um, yeah. Daryl's 1179, love that bit. Uh, Tom Baker's old scarf says, yeah, I thought it was a touch of class with a cigarette case full of uh, jelly babies, very subtly done by Peter Capaldi. And um, according to um, the writer, that was uh, uh, Peter Capaldi's suggestion was to, to, to do the uh, the jelly baby gag. Um, and so, uh, yeah. And Merlin adds in there, um, when he was talking to himself, he seemed to be channeling Tom Baker as well. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of love for the jelly babies in the cigar case. Continue on. <laughs> okay, well, train let me... Of thought. No, 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 no. I, I, I think I'll stop at that point. I, I, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, it's four and a half out of five. Almost, it may even be a five out of five by the time we get to the commentary 
for me. I, I really loved it. I thought it was a, a coming together. And a, what I will really say that sealed it for me um, and uh, the the scene at the end. In fact, when Dar said that about uh, Clara having that moment with the with the phone and um, that that's actually my wallpaper at the moment. I've sent Ian a few wallpapers, but the one I've got is the one of Clara up near the bookcase, um, just with that thought crossing her mind that actually she can't give up travelling with the doctor. It's just too, too exciting an opportunity. And anyway, she can always get back uh, the moment she left. Um, so, um, but the scene... That, that's that the reason also... why Dave's good at is his desktop. Mind <laughs> you, same with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the scene I did love as well, and it reminded me actually of, um, uh, from Fires of Pompeii, uh, the Catherine, Te- well, not the Catherine Tate moment, I shouldn't say that, but the, uh, the moment where they pressed the plunger together, uh, they committed together. And this, it was the scene where uh, they decided to carry on with their travels and they pulled the lever to take off. Meaning to me, uh, that was a visual shorthand that they're both on the same page. You know, um, those thoughts. Uh, admittedly, it was left slightly ambiguous. The doctor on the beach said, you know, well, if that's how you want to believe it, that certainly is an interpretation. So there's just a little bit of, um, you know, uh, giving him the benefit of the doubt rather than being absolutely conclusively uh, assured of uh, the Doctor's uh, general nature. But I, I think it's fabulous. Um, my brother-in-law, again, thought it was a little bit of rehashing of old stories. But I think that was all signalled from Dare the Doctor with uh, the Tom Baker caretaker not top, you know, touching his nose and saying, you know, visit the old ones, some old ones. And I think we 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 are getting these elements thrown in. Maybe they think they can't avoid them after 50 years, so they may as well embrace them. And there were some nice little things there. Uh, and maybe when we read a couple of the things from uh, the uh, Facebook page, we'll find out. So I'm going to play another clip, and then we're going to go to Ken. What if we say no? Down tools. Refuse to work. That is your choice, of course. But it would be very upsetting were you all to die at the hands of the foretold. So hurry up before it kills you. But even if they agree to this, how are they supposed to study a creature that they can't even see? We don't even know what the species is. Uh, start the clock. Approximately 1.8 meters tall. Actually, seeing it in the flesh isn't nearly as rewarding as I thought it might be. Oh dear, hearties, what can you see? Details? Yes, yes, of course, of course. Uh, well, it just looks like um, a man in bandages. I didn't... What kind of bastards? Old, new? Oh, old, ragged, ragged, falling off in places. I did it. What do you want me to tell you? Listen to me. If you can see this thing, we can't tell us what you can see. Even the smallest detail might help us save the next one. The next one? You mean you can't save me? Well, that is implied, isn't it? Yes, this is probably the end for you. But make it count. Details, please. Um, flesh. Some of it is... 30 seconds. Uh, leathery, ancient looking. Keep talking. Don't waste this chance. I want to bargain for my life. Because if you if you find the right word, if you make the right offer, then it lets you go. This is not a myth. This is real. Forget your superstition. Tell us what you can see. This is my life. My death. I'm going to fight for it how I want. Oh, I give you ten seconds. So I confess all my sins. I give you all my words. Only please, please, please. Zero. Um, 
Hopefully that audio was okay, um, but uh, we've got some comments in text. I think it's my uh, connection. Ken. It seems to have cleared up now. Okay. Ken? Yes, I hope I have more than 66 seconds. Yeah, I think we can manage that. All right, all right. No mummies here. All right. Um, I totally concur when you're saying the doctor has arrived. I think he came earlier. I thought last week with his speech about the future of mankind, um, we had the assurance that uh, Capaldi has really made the part his own. But this arc of Clara and the Doctor, I, I've never seen anything like this in the history of the show. The care they're taking with her character and the interaction with the Doctor is so wonderful uh, to see every week. Um which could just be throwaway characters or just up and down emotion. They they are really, uh, you know, Moffat is really coming into the promise of uh, the show. Uh, I think that we wanted uh, back in the Amy Rory years, and there was like an up and down quality. This, you know, I I couldn't ask for better uh, characterization. I I like this in the TARDIS. I I want to be involved with the people that are there. I, I um, you know, I think that that's so important. Um, this episode was a wonderful Agatha Christie homage. Um, I would have, yes, I would have preferred that it would have been a period piece, but I think they want to uh, remind the audience this is Doctor Who, so we want to have some different trappings, and they'll they'll put that in space because they, I don't think they want to have people thinking, well, this is a historical drama. You know, um, we aficionados that love that, you know, it, it would have been nice, but uh, the costumes were beautiful. Uh, the guest cast was involving. The mummy was terrifyingly realized. It was beautiful. Halloween came early, so it was very nice with that. Um, I was a little disappointed that we never got to see uh, who was behind Gus, more of a motivation for the murders rather than just the, the programming of uh, this this poor soldier. It, 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 was an, it was an interesting solution, but I, I think I was expecting something, you know, a little more of a twist. You know, if you're, if you're going to emulate uh, Great Mysteries and Agatha Christie, I was waiting for maybe some big uh, POW impact and revelation there uh, in the background. Maybe something unifying it to the, the story arc. We didn't get anything about Missy this week, um, which is neither unless, here nor... unless Unless Missy's behind Gus. Right. We, we might find that out later. That might be some info that we're, we're being saved. Um, but very good episode as it was, involving... It was a nice thing to separate Clara and the Doctor... It let Capaldi shine in in uh, uh, a different attitude with some different characters, and he has become totally brilliant. He is funny and abrasive, and there's this palpable inner sadness to him that just is almost like a like like a, like a exhalation and sigh when 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 he like the pain that kind of comes out on his face which is like only we can see, is so beautifully realized. It's like, it's like the weight of the years just comes over him. 
and his heart is breaking when when she's going to leave, and and he he does this beautifully. But he is callous, he is abrasive, he does manipulate, he does lie. It's not coldness. He's he's brutally honest. He's he's an alien. His morality is for the greater good. It's a different picture, and if you know these people have to die in order to save so many more he'll do it you know like he says he has to make the brutal choices and clara is bound up because of the excitement and and the and the wonder of this she's bound up with the lies she lies to the doctor and and more importantly she's lying to danny now the solution would be for him to be involved in this world and we haven't seen that yet i don't know if that will happen what I love is I don't know where the heck we're going. I don't know what is going to happen with her relationship with him, what's going to happen with her with the doctor. I have no idea what's going to happen next. And I think that's great because it could just end horribly. It could just be terrible tragedy or it could be glorious. We have no way. But she's taken this step, and usually when you begin a road of lies, it's going to catch up in, in a, a very bad way. So it's going to be really interesting because, uh, you know, she was warned, you know, if if you lie to me, it's over. You know, so, uh, so I don't really know. But, again, a very good episode uh, for the trappings of being a mystery, but brilliant for characterization. Great for the emotional quality and carrying on the, the character arc of, of, these, of these wonderful characters. Um, I applauded with the Jelly Babies. I thought that was wonderful and a classy way to do it in a cigarette case. It was very good. The again, the music uh, was very nice. The costumes were beautiful. I love seeing Clara in her flapper costume. Sigh. Uh, as I said, it was great. There was this very dapper quality to Capaldi. I mean, he he really uh, made this his own, you know, uh, prowling this train. Uh, you know, he, he, he came up beautifully. Um, I did find it funny with Einstein. Was that really Einstein, maybe? Uh, I thought. But a great episode. Um, in a great season. You know, he grabbed me from the beginning, but every episode... Capaldi gets better and better and better, and Jenna Coleman is, is such such a wonderful actress, and her chemistry was great with Matt Smith, and I think it's different and even better with Peter Capaldi and what she's done, what she's grown as a character when she shows us every week as an actress. Um, I, I couldn't be more pleased. Uh, with the direction of the show. I I like that the episodes can be enjoyed by new viewers and we, we're not so arc-centric. You know, that that worked fine for a while. I always like I always like Doctor the Change-Up. That's what I love about the show. It's changeable. Uh, if, if you don't like uh, a few episodes or one season, you know, you just wait. You'll get something different. And I think that's the success of the show. It's the brilliance of the show. Uh, it's it's the genius that spawned regeneration and saved it years ago. And 
you know, all in all, you know, an excellent episode. I I would um, I give it uh, four Tardis groans, and looking forward to what happens next. Okay, let me uh, play uh, another clip. I'm just going to move us along a little bit, and then uh, if Ian keeps an eye on the text chat, I'll perhaps try and read a few from the Colton Collective page, but he's a little bit further along in the story. Markings like the ones on the scroll. Oh, your father. Sorry. A tattered disciple of attached to leather wood that you were killed for. 30 that seconds. doesn't sound like a scroll. That sounds like a flag. And if that sounds like a flag, this is the flag that makes it you on a soldier. What did Never got more. Now, years ago. But they've worked on you, haven't they, son? Camouflage, personal teleporter. Ten seconds, and all that tape inside you, it just won't let you die. Well, it won't let the war end. It just won't let you stop until the war is over. We surrender! See you. I can see it again. Okay. I think we all can. Do I start the clock? No. The clock has stopped. Yeah. You're a lead soldier. He's not the only one. We were fighting that. So was he. Listen, David, we're not out of the woods yet. Well, Gus, I think we've solved your little puzzler. Ancient soldier being driven by malfunctioning tech. Thank you so much for your efforts. They are greatly appreciated. Unfortunately, Survivors of this exercise are not required. Oh, well, there's a shocker. Okay, let me just uh, read uh, from a couple more, and then uh, uh, we'll go to Ian. Um, uh, Jeff Waddle, five out of five, absolutely uh, uh, fantastic. Uh, Armitage, literally, muchly, <laughs> never doubted my mind. Um, um, Jeff Waddle, again, Capaldi is out of this world. I'm not going to read it all. This tons of best yet outstanding um, let's jump down. We've got uh, nearly 30 comments here. Uh, Perry, just finished watching. Very good episode, four out of five. And Jenna Coleman looks very nice in her flappers 1920s attire. Colin Hicks, four out of five. Good, enjoyable. Assuming we're still spoiler free. Uh, watch out for Moffat referencing another one of these episodes. Um, uh, Graham Sheridan, uh, four and a half out of five at last. Um, uh, closest to the brilliant this series has got um, uh, lots of other comments let me see if I can jump down a little bit blimey there's more than I thought uh, Graham and Sheridan again love the episode it's definitely the best of the series so far uh, I think Clara finally has an explanation to why this version of the Doctor is how he is um, have a look uh, Perry, half expected Skinner to turn out to be Drax. Uh, that's about it. Uh, and a few of them make apologies for not being able to be here live due to other commitments. So, um, Ian, do you want to go ahead now? Uh, do you have anything to read first? Yeah, there's a little bit going on here um, in the text chat. Um we get to see, uh, Jeff G7 says uh, we get to see the reasons for um, the doctor's behavior in this, and he uh, explains himself to Clara. 
Um, and then Matt Howell asks a question. Does, <clears throat> excuse me. Does the mummy disintegrate because of you are relieved, or because, um, or you know, part, or because we surrender? Um, the surrender. And also adds, I think, to his previous comment. Um, seems quite clear about the the, um, the right in sacrificing one person for the greater good. Interesting, as we have uh, had, as we have had the the impression of uh, that the doctor um, wouldn't. Wouldn't even sacrifice one person for the greater good in his recent past. And Merlin adds um, that was when we thought that he killed all of his people. And Jeffy Seven replies, "You think this? Uh, that's why Merlin, not just a different doctor." As with my earlier comment, uh, Merlin replies, um, "I think this is where Moff was steering the series for a while." And Jeffy Seven finishes off with uh, more heroic and less damaged. Yeah, and Jiffy gives it four and, and a half Slum. out of five. Yeah, right. Sorry, Devil's Slum eleven seventy nine adds. It seems like they're trying to reestablish how alien and mysterious the Doctor really is. Good. I didn't know whether that had scrolled off your screen. That's why I said that, Ian. Sorry. Right. And um, yeah. Madhouse gives it nine, nine out of ten. I tell you what, let me. I'm going to jump again. This clips. Let me play another clip, and then okay. after you've gone, uh, you can just play the the next time one. If I have to leave, but uh, if it, actually let's do no, let's do the other one because this this one's so important. I have to do seven. Oh, and uh, we got off the train. Oh well, the teleporter worked eventually. Beamed everyone into the TARDIS. No casualties, just a bevy of sleeping beauties. I tried hacking guts from the TARDIS, find out who set this all up. They really didn't like that. Set off some fail-safe thing. Blew up the train. Blew up the train? Blew up the train. But we got away. I dropped everyone off at the nearest civilized planet, which happened to be here. You seemed happy asleep, so I just left you. So you saved everyone? No, I just saved you, and I let everyone else suffocate. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is just my cover story. And I'll stop that there. Okay, Alrighty. Um, a little bit let down by by Dave's uh, one line review for me, because I didn't get that impression. I didn't get the impression that the doctor had arrived. Definitely moved further up, but uh, not an arrival for me yet. Um, I'm still waiting for the moment. No, not that moment. The other moment. <laughs> the moment where he arrives. I got to kind of agree with Darth. I was kind of hoping for that kind of murder mystery thing. You know, murder on the Orient Express, mummy on the Orient Express. Thought we might get a bit of a bit of a mystery kind of going on. And but I mean, the mummy was a bit of a letdown for me. The the, the resolution that is, the mummy was really well done, well realized, scary as heck looking. But the the whole you know wrap up <laughs> or unwrap of the <laughs> Of the mummy at the end. See, the puns are coming thick and fast. Um, was it was all right. Again, another soldier. Here we we're, we're stuck on soldiers for for some reason. Um, I'm getting the feeling that the, the doctor doesn't like his uh, hard boy legs with soldiers either. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite bits, which is an odd thing, I know, and people are going to really that was your favorite bit, was foxes. I did not expect that that. When I heard about the announcement, I don't know who Fox is. Really, never heard 
anything that she's 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 done. Thought maybe this is a bit of stunt casting, you know, kind of like Kylie Minogue, but Kylie started off acting, so or what I call neighbors acting. Um, so I thought, well, you know, let's see. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't realize that her part in the episode was just going to be the singing, which was fantastic. Um, I'm a big Queen fan, so it was a even bigger surprise that I really, really love this track that she's that uh, that, that she's covered. And I'm uh, putting it in the chat text chat now um, a YouTube link uh, a link to YouTube uh, for the performance video from this episode so you can hear the whole song now be warned there is a BBC one um, version out there it's slightly longer it's about a minute longer uh, seems to be the entire song but the problem with it is, is it's peppered with bits and pieces of uh, Doctor Who clubs unfortunately some of those are from future episodes so if oh. you don't really care about seeing little bits and pieces from an episode you don't, haven't seen yet, you don't necessarily know which one it's coming you know, from. But with us having so few left, <laughs> it kind of narrows it down. Um, but just be warned that the BBC One um, uh, YouTube site does have the song on there, minute longer, but it does have clips. So you could, if you wanted to listen to the entire song, you could just turn your screen off and listen to it. Um, and I, I absolutely love it. I love the song, and I loved he hearing it in the episode itself because uh, Fox has released this um, two-minute video um, on to her YouTube site. That's what the link is. It's to, to her actual, and so you can see other stuff that she's done. Um, so I had heard it before I'd seen the episode, and it was fantastic to kind of hear it in the background. I'm like, that's kind of cool, especially when he's talking about some of the things that are inaccurate about the uh, the recreation of, uh, of the Orient Express, you know, this being one, you know, they're doing uh, a jazz number, but it's a Queen song, so, uh, and, oh, for goodness sake, he's here, Sly Bob's here, finally the show can start, and, you know, I mean, we've been waiting three and a half, uh, two and a half hours for him, but he finally he's here. <laughs> uh, well, we're finishing 66 seconds. Yeah. Um, Love Clara's outfit, of course. Love the hair. Uh, love, you know, love the makeup and everything on her. Uh, was a little bit confused. I, I think I have to watch this one more time just to kind of really get the whole flow of everything. Because this sudden change at the end to her saying that she's going to stay, you know, mucking around with the doctor, um, I felt was really, really quick. Um, but others don't see it that way. And so I think it's more of a fault of mine than a fault of the than of the episode itself uh, but do find it interesting now that uh, the doctor's trying to be a little more truthful with her and a little more open that now she's um, and, and, and Darth didn't seem to think that it was such a big deal but I do I do I think it's a big big deal because she just dressed him down for for lying to her uh, last episode and now she's doing exactly the same thing to him She's bold-faced lying and saying, oh, yeah, it's okay to, for me to go traveling now, and and I'm all on board and want to do more stuff. Um, but, you know, she's now lying to Danny and the doctor. Danny and the doctor. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. That's probably all I'm going to say for this. I mean, I'm going to say a lot more during the, the, the commentary, of course. Um, got some casting stuff to, to, to cover. Um uh, 
two uh, two actors in this have, have actually been in Doctor Who before uh, in the in the classic series. So uh, that was kind of cool to see actors coming back. Not necessarily because they're you know they were in the show before, but you know um, especially uh, one of the actors was a lot younger when he was originally in Doctor Who, and uh, to to see him return now means that. Uh, the end the party was playing uh, was was quite a major one. It means that he's kind of he started off with Doctor Who as one of his earlier roles, and and now he's you know really kind of coming to his own acting wise, and and so you get really cut, you get cast into the show again, which means you've you've gone somewhere now, you know, because that's where Doctor Who is now. Um, that that they cast good people, good you know good solid actors in the show, and so that means he's kind of you know he's come a long way. <laughs> from being a Doctor Who to being a Doctor Who. Yeah, that doesn't make sense, much sense when you think about it, does it? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but this, I mean, this, what I mean is the show has changed. Uh, before it was like, you know, um, and they'd get, you know, cheap actors <laughs> if they could, or stunt casting. Uh, but now we're getting, you know, we're getting good actors in there for, for good reason. And, uh, so anyway, I'll talk more about that during the during the commentary. Loved the way the episode looked. Uh, loved the fact that we're kind of steering clear of the sonic screwdriver. Um, you know, uh, Capaldi's line this 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 week was almost not even the sonic screwdriver can get me out of this one. Um, it was the <laughs> I can't open the door with the sonic screwdriver or because <laughs> it's broken. It's like why 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 not? It's like well, there's probably something something like you know, some kind of force field or, or, or barrier, but I don't know because the Sonic Screwdriver is broken. It hasn't really kind of worked too well at all this season, which is kind of nice. It's kind of, you know... And I like how he misuses the uh, uh, the psychic paper and and it totally kind of, well, almost backfires on him because he says, I'm your worst nightmare rather than saying, I'm this. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a train inspector, and you know normally the sonic sonic um, the sorry psychic paper would show that he was a you know train inspector or a police officer or a detective, um, but no, he he says I'm your worst nightmare. <laughs> the guy's worst nightmare is a secret shopper. <laughs> I thought that was fun, really kind of funny. You know, it puts him in a position of not really being in any position at all. Um, Felt one big problem for me was the other scientists didn't do anything. Um, Frank Skinner's character probably you know carried um, a lot of the weight, uh, but they didn't appear to do anything aside from stand around and, and and look scientific, which bugged me a little bit. There was nobody nobody was given any additional lines, uh, which. You know, just kind of bugged me a little bit that there wasn't any more. You know, um, it wasn't a a group thing figuring all this out. It was just the doctor bouncing ideas off people and them going nowhere. But overall, it was a good little good little adventure. Um, kind of thought it was a nice little kind of send up that the sarcophagus opens and all there is in it is lights and bubble wrap. Very Doctor Who thing. <laughs> Monster made out of bubble wrap. Where have we seen that before? <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it was a decent episode. I'll probably give it a 
four out of five. Um, did uh... well. Let me let me play yeah. not the final yeah. clip, the next time clip. The, one more clip, okay. and then we'll have a look. See, I think there's a few more ratings to read out. Okay, here we go. Is it like like what? An addiction. Well, you can't really charge something as an addiction till you try and give it up. And you never have. Let me know how it goes. So, is it done? Yep. Mission accomplished. Listen, I can't talk now, but I'll see you soon, and, um, I love you. I love you, too. Okay, see you soon. Is that Danny? What does he want? He's fine with it. Sorry. Danny, he's fine with the idea of me and you knocking about. It's his idea that we stop, but he's decided he doesn't mind, and neither do I. What the hell with the last one? Let's keep going. It's a big change of heart. Yeah, they happen. Seriously? Look, as long as you get me home safe and on time, everything is great. I am so sorry. I've had a wobble. It's a big wobble, but it's fine. Forget about it now. Shut up and give me some planets. Well, I'm glad that you said that. Because you know that one that's made entirely of shrubs. Are you sure about that? Are you? Have you ever been sure? And what are you waiting for? Uh, that might sound even quicker than it was because I had to cut out uh, about 20, 30 seconds of that, otherwise it'd been too long. Where she's actually, you see it all on Clara's face, uh, the acting there. Uh, it is sudden, they, they, they have that dialogue. But I think that is a really great moment where she literally doesn't feel as though she can give it up when it comes push to shove. So, um, do you want to read out a couple of these uh, last ratings? Yep. I know we've gone a little bit shorter than usual, but. Um, uh, we've had a few people that were unable to get uh, to the show today. Right. Um, I don't know if I did Mad Hell before, but uh, Mad Hell, 9 out of 10. Uh, Tom Baker's lost scarf. I don't think Clara was needed in this, but secretly happy she was in it. <laughs> secretly? I don't think... Uh, mm. I saw your comment earlier. I don't think there was anything secret about that. But, uh, Tom Baker's lost scarf gives it 4 out of 5. Uh, Davros 11.79. Overall, enjoy this episode. Uh, 4.5 out of 5. Um... Drawing a blank. Ah. <laughs> I think that's about Ken. it, actually. Side Ken. Oh. Uh, Ken says, I think Clara, at the end of this episode, panic set in uh, that she would lose the wonder and joy of traveling with the doctor. Uh, you know, that was the reason for her sudden turnaround. Uh, which, you know, it's interesting because, you know, uh, I think the thought was planted a lot earlier on when she says, oh, well, you've come around for tea or something or, or, or I come have dinner with me at some point. It's just like the doctor basically says no. <laughs> but even though he says yes later on, he says, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, guest uh, seven gives it four out of five. Tom Baker's all scarf adds in. I think the doctor will uh, let her down uh, gently eventually and even let her go without much warning, a.k.a. Sarah Jane. Um, mm. and Cybob, um, I can't get any sound. Oh, I'm terribly sorry about that. And you can't even hear me reading out what you're saying. Um, but I give the episode five out of five. Kaboldi gets better and better. 
And Dave AC says, finally, <laughs> ending fairly soon. Podchocks <laughs> start soon on call ID 23358. Read it out. <laughs> no, I'll... Uh, that's, read it out, that's the sound vibe. <laughs> I'm just, just playing with you. Okay, just well, uh, if, if, if Ian's okay with that, then what we'll do is we normally do is play the next time clip. If you don't want to actually hear that, if you usually stop your watching because uh, so, you don't want to know anything about next week I'll play that and then Ian will probably follow on with our outro music so I'm happy to say for the moment goodbye to Ian when he invites me to do so okay well before we do that um, one thing I forgot to mention was John Sessions is the train guff fantastic it was really kind of neat I bugged what? me throughout not, the whole episode not Ringo huh? Starr I thought Ringo no. Starr always did uh, Thomas the Tank Engine <laughs> <laughs> anyway, until next week, <laughs> or until tonight on the Colton Collective Commentaries, uh, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. A goodbye from Ian, who will be gone in 66 seconds. Oh, that can't be good. Something nearby is ditching all the external dimensions. Aliens. Possibly. Almost more like an improbably. Whatever they are, they're experiment. They're testing that. They are dissecting, trying to understand us, trying to understand three dimensions. Life support failing. Goodbye, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.